Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Isaiah, chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is going to be a change of pace from uh, all of those books of poetry that we just went through. Job and Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. So this is going to be a real change uh, of pace um, because we're going to be reading now several books of prophecy and uh, starting with Isaiah, there's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And so it's a, it's a long book. They're long chapters. And the very nature of them by being books of prophecy is there's a lot of symbolism. And this is just, the, this is just how the Lord speaks in His wisdom. Um, when the Spirit of the Lord rested upon Jesus... And he began his ministry. And through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the words that he would speak were often words of parables and words that contained great amount of symbolism. In fact, it was really exclusively the way that he taught. Well, when you read through these, these books of prophecy, you see that this is just the way in which the Lord chooses to minister. And... I actually just recently thought about this myself because being a preacher, um, how much is there really to preach about? You know, I've been preaching for probably combined about 10 years now, and I've yet to ever feel like I didn't have something to talk about. Yet, when you really write down what is there to talk about, you think you'd run out relatively quick. Especially the big things, you know, like, you know, leaving your sin behind and running towards God with all that you have you know, surrender, these sort of things. Yet the way that, because there's no um, limit, there's there's no uh, ceiling to the wisdom of God. Tapping into the wisdom of God allows us to say the same things, new ways. And it's often prophetic that when we tap into the way that the Lord wants to minister something, it might be something very elementary or simple, yet the way in which the Lord chooses to minister it is just profound and, and just sharp enough, like a, like a sword, and just spoken in the right time that it pierces through, right? I can't think of how many times I've <clears throat> listened to someone preach or how many times I've opened up the Bible and read it or even as I've heard someone else pray, or even been in discussion, that there's just something about the way that they just said something that pierced me. And a lot of times it's something really rather elementary, like about giving, or loving, or you know being kind, or whatever. But it's the way in which it's spoken, and the words that are chosen that pierce through. I say all that to say, the 
these words are not just poetic. I don't think that Isaiah was in the slightest trying to be eloquent or cute. He's the, the fact that he's a prophet means he's he's the mouthpiece of the Lord. And so the very words that he's speaking are the words from the Lord. And the Lord is not trying to be poetic or cute. This was never ever a message of wow, that sounded really cool. This in, this entire book is um would have not been a very popular uh book to have heard in its time. Each prophecy is filled with warnings of judgment if they will not repent. Now it's also laced with promises of hope for 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 the, the Lord's coming salvation for them, but it's just the back and forth of those two places. And so I just want to say that as we go through these 66 books, or not 66 books, I mean, that's the journey we're on too through the Bible, but these 66 chapters, um, that the, the language is prophetic language. And it, and it was meant to pierce God's people in just the right way. Right, like verse 21 of chapter 1 says, How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Right, so this isn't just this isn't just a, a new way of saying you're unfaithful to me. This is the perfect way that needed to be described to them of their unfaithfulness, that they're that of a harlot. They belong to their husband, and they've gone and given away what was his to someone who who had, they're not into a covenant with, someone who does not deserve. To the, to these idols of the land, to these false gods, they're pouring themselves out to like that of a whore. And so, just as we go along and we're reading this, we need to understand that the language is symbolic. But it's powerful, but it's not there to be cute. It's there because it's prophetic. And the prophetic words also, because of the words of the Lord, they're, the, the symbolism is exactly the way that the Lord chooses it to be, based off exactly what his people need to hear and just how these words, these exact words will pierce them. But also because these words are prophetic, a lot of them... Um, tell of things that will come, what will pass. And what's interesting about reading a book like Isaiah is that we're trying to find, um, you, you could spend probably the next year or two just in Isaiah and trying to find which of these words have already come to pass and, and at exactly which time did it take place. And there's a lot of people that have spent a whole lot more time than I ever have going through the books of prophecy, trying to figure out um, when did this word come to pass and this word come to pass and this word come to pass, right? The The unique thing about that is, though, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. But because of its unique nature as being the word of the Lord, the Lord exists outside of time. Therefore, so does his word. I know that's deep. Chew on that for just a second. But the Lord exists outside of time, and so does His word. Meaning, when He speaks a word, it could it could literally have it could have three different fulfillments, 
and it could be one or it could be all. Meaning when the word of the Lord speaks, it, it could be a word of prophecy that's already taken place. It could be a word that is being taken place. And it, is, it could be a word that is yet to be taken place. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, that's okay. I don't understand what I mean by that. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, intellectually, I know what I said, and I believe it, yet to wrap my mind around it fully is a very difficult thing. But if you read the book of Revelation, you'll understand a little bit about what I'm talking about. Try to figure out timeline reading the book of Revelation. It sounds like everything you're reading is going to happen in the future, and then you read the next verse, and you think, wait a second, I think that's already happened. And then you read the next verse, and you think, well, maybe that is happened, but it happened not that long ago. And then you read something else and you go, oh man, that happened in the Garden of Eden. And then you read something else and you go, oh, well, that has yet to take place. And then you have to remember that these are the words of the Lord who exist outside of time and doesn't necessarily respect the way that we view things in in the way of chronologically, if that makes sense. And so hopefully I haven't confused you too much before we go through these books of prophecy. But But what I want us to understand is that let's read them Let's let the imagery pierce our hearts. Then, as we read these words that are prophetic, let's find the fulfillment of them and what has happened, what, and then also what is going to happen. Because it's God's word and it's not limited to just, oh yeah, well, that did come to pass. These are, these are words of hope for even us as we can cling to them and, and believe that is still going to pass. Because their hope was in the Messiah coming. Our hope is in that the Messiah came and that he's returning. So these words still stand true, you know? And so, and and again, you see this like in the book of Daniel too. We're not there yet, but when you read the book of Daniel, you're reading for like the first half of the book and it's a lot of these powerful stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel and the lion's den. These kind of stories that we're familiar with. And then you get into the latter half of it and it's all about these crazy words of prophecy. And some of those words, men far smarter than I, have looked up all these prophecies and they can identi- They think they can identify every single one of them with a certain time period, with a certain ruler, with a certain kingdom, with a certain rise and with a certain fall. And they could be right about all of those things. And still, there could be more meat on that prophetical bone, so to speak. That there are still kingdoms being that were spoken of that will rise and will fall that have not yet taken place. Because it's God's word and it goes out and it just keeps producing fruit. It doesn't go out, produce fruit, and come back. It just goes out and keeps producing fruit. That's the power of the word of the Lord. I say all this to say, don't read something in these prophetical books and go, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. No, 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 these are words of promise. So we go, ooh, I saw when God did it, and I know he's still going to do it again. Okay, and so all that being said, let's just hopefully giving us a little bit of context as we read this. Now, putting this... Putting the prophet Isaiah in the correct place for time, um, the very start of this book says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. So, reading this based off where Israel is at and how they're divided, understanding Judah and the kings of Judah. All of this is happening somewhere around 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. 
Okay, that, that's that's what you're that's what we're really reading, you know. And then we have to understand that because we're getting into all of these books of prophecy are not in chronological order. So as I'm reading this, I'm not reading this from the place of just like Song of Solomon just ended and and you know Solomon just hung up his harp and then here's the word of the Lord from Isaiah. So I want to put this in its right place. It is regarding this this latter portion of the divided kingdom and um the wickedness of the state that they were in. And so God sends a man named Isaiah primarily to warn them of their current state and what's happening and then also to give them promise of what is available if they'll turn and repent of their sins. So that being said, it starts off and it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared up and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So he's he's likening them to even the even the simple mindedness of an animal it has the ability to know its owner. It has the the uh, ability to submit to the one who possesses it. Yet our minds are so much more complex and beautiful, and the Lord's blessings on our life are so much more clear and evident. Yet we don't have. Yet we don't submit. That That's the word here to them and to us is shouldn't we be able to be more obedient than that of an animal? And shouldn't I be able to submit more so than an animal because of the brilliance that God's given to my mind, as well as the blessings that surround me that show how much he loves me. Right. And then he goes down and he says, um, Verse 9, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people to Gomorrah. And so their, their fall was that they no longer gave ear to the teaching or to the law of our God. They've forgotten about the instructions that God had given them to live by. And those instructions that they were given to live by is what made them uh, a set-apart people from all other nations and demonstrated God's holiness to the world. And they've quit giving ear to those instructions, which, if you'll remember, this is the flaw of Israel over and over again. They forget God, and they forget they forget His law, they forget His rules, and they forget about Him. Then they start worshiping other gods and living by their the other gods' rules. And the other gods' rules are wicked and sinful and, you know, smashing your baby into the altar, setting setting your child on fire. You know, you're, you know, the, the, the other false gods had religions in which they had to comply to as well. And they began to comply to that, and they had left behind the the law of the Lord. And so he Isaiah says, man, let's get back to the word of God here. You know, and he regards them like they're like Sodom, they're like Gomorrah, which was a place of complete wickedness where sin ran rampant and it was unashamed. Okay, and so there's something incredibly, um, I want to say dangerous or just wicked about not just when sin is present, but when sin is celebrated. 
And I'll tell you, not to sound like the old fogey of a preacher this morning, but our country is living in a time where sin is running rampant. And just in my life, I'm seeing it celebrated in ways like I never dreamed I would see it celebrated. We're watching TV and commercials will come up on the screen. And it's a commercial for HIV medication. And everyone in the commercial is homosexual and they're all kissing all over each other. And the product that they're sharing is a product that that wouldn't even exist if the sin wasn't present. And yet they're celebrating the sin that makes them take the medicine that will help to deal with the side effects of their sinfulness. And you watch it and you go, this is the craziest thing that we're like, and they're all there. They're at the beach and they're playing instruments and they're at a party and they're just, they're, they're going, man, this is a lot of fun to just, to be gay and have AIDS. It's just a blast. Just take this medicine. And it, and it, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. You know what our world, I don't say that from a place of judgment. I just say that from a place of what's biblically accurate. And that, that was a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. They weren't ashamed of their sin. And, and and honestly, I think that they looked down upon anyone that, that did call what they were doing was sin. And that's our world today. You, If you if you even say that what someone is doing is sinful, then you must not have love in your heart. That's what they think. But that's not true. Because I'm a father and I have children. and I And I wouldn't be a very good father to them if I just condoned of every little thing that they do. Sometimes... One of my ch- my children will strike one of my other children, and and I say that's not right what you did. We don't do that. We love our neighbor, right? Is that because I hate my children? No, it's because I love my children, right? So love, and this is the word of this is the word of the Lord from from Isaiah was we're gonna turn this thing around. Well, isn't that that's kind of judgy? No, no, no. This is love that says you're going down a horrible path here. And if you don't turn from this path, then it's going to get worse, right? That's the word of the Lord from Isaiah. And that's the word for our, for our country as well, too. I mean, you know, the more we're drinking and the more we're having sex with everything and everyone and the more that we're watching all this pornography and the more we're shooting up all these drugs and the more we're taking all of these prescribed medications for our anti-depression and our anti-anxiety and anti-any kind of feeling at all, let's just drown ourselves in a pill that'll make it to where I don't have real feelings so I don't have to deal with real life. And the message of the Lord to this people is not, I hate you, it's just turn from this wickedness because it's crippling you. And I can't bless you when you're so busy trying to bless yourself with the things of this world that don't have any real power to bless you. And, and so that, 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 to read these words of Isaiah, I think, have special meaning and maybe maybe every generation could think this way, but I think we can surely think, man, God, we need a repentance in our country because it's a wicked it's a wicked country, it's a wicked land that we live in. And so, and he goes on to say, um, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? Says the Lord, I have had enough of your burnt offerings and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do, do not delight in the blood of bulls or in a, or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of uh, convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. 
Your new moons and your appointed feast my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. And so anyways, this whole understanding is saying, you know, don't think that you can fool me with all your with all your pomp don't think that you can um don't think that i'm pleased by your by checking your religious boxes for showing up to church on on a sunday don't think i'm fooled by that don't th- all i want is your heart and i know that i don't have it because of the way that you're living your life right and so you know, and and that's why he says, "Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean." And this, we don't want to just read these words of prophecy and look at them with with a wagging finger to our nation, because it's it's that will just frustrate you. It's not frustrating. The way that we change the nation is we each change ourselves. And so, for us, as we read these as as we read these words, we must apply them first to ourselves and go, "Wow." The Lord desires more from me that I be a person who shows mercy and love, tenderness and compassion to other people than that I give him anything else. He, 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 he likes the, my worship. He, he enjoys when I come into the house of the Lord. He likes these things. But yet he says these things are nothing to me if I'm not a person who seeks justice and does good to those who can't do good for themselves, right? So, we must understand, like like James says, that faith without works is dead. So I must find places where I can where I can be a reflection of His glory to these people, and not just live like everybody else, but go to church. I don't show justice. I don't show mercy. I'm not generous. I'm not loving. I'm not patient. I'm not kind. Ooh, but is this song reckless love? Because I'm gonna have to lift my hands real quick because this is the one. Oh, the overwhelming, you know, I mean, it's so ridiculous, but that was, that was this people. And God says, man, this is makes me kind of sick. Cause how could you say that you love me when you don't do anything that I tell you to do? Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's like if you left before, if you, if you have older children right before you left the house, you said, Hey, I'm going to be gone for about an hour and I want you guys to pick up the living room and and the bathroom and Jimmy I want you to help out David with his homework and um and and while I'm gone I want to make sure you guys all get dressed and ready for the day because when I get back we're going to town and you come back an hour later and the house is destroyed it's a mess it's 10 times worse than it was when when you left and no one's helped anyone and nobody's dressed and no one's ready to go but you open up that door and all those kids come running to you going daddy daddy so good to see you so good to see you what is your emotion and what is your feeling in that moment (laughs) ponder upon that because that's what we don't understand about the way that the father loves us as he's given us commands and decrees and his love is faithful and persistent 
Yet his orders and his instructions are are for our good and for his plan. And we can't say that we have love for him or that we worship him if we won't listen to the instructions that he gives us. And we can't think that he's pleased with us either by us just living our lives like anyone else lives their lives. Yet we 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 call ourselves Christians. Okay, and so... Um, Totally exhausted my time today. I'm not surprised by that. This is so. This text is so rich. Um, I do think we've covered the big, the big process of what's happening in these first three chapters. Is God saying, "I'm going to humble those who are prideful, and I'm going to burn in this in this whole place a refining fire, and anything that's not 100% like me is going to be melted and devoured, and basically." I'm going to restore Jerusalem to myself and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be amazing and there's going to be nothing like it. And that's the hope that we hold to, too. Don't, don't look around this, this world and, and just shake your head and be upset because God's going to get the last word in on all this. But what we have to do as individual people is make sure that we're living by the word, each one. It's my job to live by the word. It's my job to demonstrate God's holiness to this to this to this fallen world it's my go- it's my job to make sure that my life is a sacrifice and and the good works that I do are pleasing to his nostrils not just my worship and my songs but my worship in my life and that was what he was warning the people of Judah about was don't think God's just pleased with your celebrations and checking your religious boxes and reading your Bible saying your prayers but make sure there's action that follows your devotion to him because that's what's most pleasing to him of all.